for the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, Jake the Snake Roberts is my guest. You never want to miss an interview with Jake the Snake Roberts. Plus, I'm going to go down my weekend in Cleveland. We're going to talk about Fastlane, what WrestleMania is looking like, Ronda Rousey, Kofi Mania, and more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Whoa, what a time to be alive. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. And thank you all, by the way, for everybody that sent in feedback on last week's episode. The live event with the Major Brothers from the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, whatever you want to call them. Great guys with a great wrestling figure podcast. And Maven, how great was Maven? How amazing were those stories? Now that video will be up over at youtube.com slash notsam, along with all the other videos we do, even the phone interviews, the Skype interviews, whatever. They all get recorded here in the Not Sam studio. And all those videos eventually go up at YouTube slash notsam. I think the next one that's going up is the interview with X-Pac we did a couple weeks ago. But if you're sitting there going, why does it take so long? You want these videos right away. The first place to get them is at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Yes, the second tier people get all the video footage you can handle. State of Wrestling every week, full on video. The interviews, first thing on video. And I am going to start doing unboxing videos for all you uh, wrestling collectibles people. I went out and found the RetroFest Mattel Ric Flair figure at GameStop. And before I opened it, I said, why don't I turn the camera on and just unbox it for the for the folks, for you guys. So, I'm going to do it for the shills over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. First tier is audio, second tier is video, and so on and so forth. So if you want to see the unboxing stuff, go ahead and sign up at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Boy, we're going to get into Fastlane, of course, in the state of wrestling. A lot coming off of Fastlane as we head into WrestleMania. We're certainly on the Fastlane on the road to WrestleMania. But man, I gotta tell you, if I could if I could recommend any viewing for you, and you don't have to even sign up for Patreon to look at it, uh, the WWE did something cool. I was in Cleveland, obviously, uh, as part of Fastlane. I was on the kickoff show, and Pat McAfee was there, and they were trying something new with Pat, who, you know, Pat is, a, is an expert of the internet and a small business owner, and... They were doing a live YouTube watch-along for uh, Fastlane. So what they did was they took a room in the arena, and they had a giant, and I mean giant, LCD screen. They covered the entire wall with an LCD screen, and they set up some chairs and got some snacks, and they basically just put some cameras on the room, and Pat invited people in, superstars uh, and, and the like, different people there with WWE invited them in, to watch the show with him live. And and you guys at home could kind of do a a dual screen thing where you watch the pay-per-view on one screen and then have this YouTube window open on the other. And, of course, it was live as it happened, and it's still up 
on the WWE's YouTube channel. I ended up doing some of it with him. I'm sure a bunch of you have seen the video of the Iconics pouring popcorn all over me because that happened, uh, which I thought was very unnecessary of Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Uh, they seem very defensive, very aggressive, uh, and they don't like being confronted with what I'll call uh, the truth. Uh, but I was going to... I mean, I was thinking about posting it as a podcast. I decided not to just because there's so much content to give to you guys. But if you guys didn't watch the watch along and I could recommend something to you, the main event of the show, The Shield versus Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley, it ended up being myself, Pat McAfee, and R-Truth watching the main event together. And halfway through, uh, Mustafa Ali joins us just for a, for a moment or two after his match, so you see all his bumps and bruises. But the hilarity that ensued between myself, Pat McAfee, and R-Truth, it is worth a view. It is worth a listen. Go and, and go to the WWE's YouTube channel, find that video, and go to the end so you can watch that thing. It's just so... I mean, R-Truth is just... He's so funny. He's in, out of his mind. You know, I'm sitting there talking to him about losing the U.S. title, and he, he has no recollection of ever losing any U.S. title. He lost the title. He said he can't find it, but he didn't lose the title. It's great. Go check it out. I would recommend that you do. And, of course, uh, McAfee is on there being, uh, well, well, being the host that McAfee is. We'll just put it that way. So here we are. It's not Sam Wrestling. Uh, we are officially, you know, it used to be after the Royal Rumble, and people still do say it after the Royal Rumble. It's okay, here we go. It's WrestleMania season. But we all know that after the Royal Rumble, it's not like we're really... We don't have a, a clear picture of what WrestleMania is going to look like. Even with the Royal Rumble, right? Like, Becky Lynch won the Royal Rumble, but the title match that she got wasn't official until this week at Fastlane. So, even those scenarios you kind of take with a grain of salt knowing okay it's January we have till April a lot happens between now and then and especially since there's two pay-per-views there's elimination chamber which really starts to shape things then because I mean the champion may not even be the champion anymore then you've got Fastlane and Fastlane answered a lot of questions um and and now and we can see it watching Raw and Smackdown now we are full-fledged and force going towards WrestleMania. And we'll talk a lot about that in the state of wrestling, but but now is the time. And I think the doing the wrestling podcast over the next four weeks or so is going to get really, really fun. Not that it's not always fun, but there's something magical about WrestleMania season. Even if you're a, a, even if you're a WWE hater, first of all, I don't know what you're doing, but second of all, there is something magical about WrestleMania season. Uh, now, I got to tell you, this week, I have a very special guest, somebody that's been a part of, of multiple WrestleMania seasons, actually. In the early days, Jake the Snake Roberts is joining me. Jake the Snake Roberts, of course, uh, if you followed his journey uh, in the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, I think that's what it was called, the documentary that centers around what DDP did to, in my opinion, save Jake the Snake's life. I mean, Jake the Snake was on the short list of everybody's death watch list. Uh, and he's come out of it shining. He's still got all of his personality, you know. Uh, and he's touring the country doing uh, spoken word shows. You know, I, I would say stand-up, but it's not like it's joke, joke, joke. It's stories. It's what you want from Jake the Snake Roberts. And he's going to be a part of uh, Skankfest 
here in New York. Skankfest is not uh, what it sounds like. Skankfest is actually put on by a podcast called The Legion of Skanks. My buddy Louis J. Gomez uh, does the whole thing. But it's, I mean, look it up. If you're in the city, you're going to want to get tickets to it because it's every comic you could ever possibly imagine. It's comedy. It's podcasts. It's an amazing festival weekend that anybody who likes comedy will want to be a part of. Uh, and anybody who wants to hear stories from Jake the Snake Roberts will probably want to be a part of it too because he's going to be there. Yes, Jake the Snake Roberts will be there. That's where we start and we go uh, We go deep, as, as we tend to do. You can go back and listen to any interview uh, that we've done here with Jake the Snake Roberts on the podcast, but, you know, you start in a certain place and you never quite know where you're going to end up. This was a doozy. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on Not Sam Wrestling, for your enjoyment, Jake the Snake Roberts. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. I'd like to welcome my guest here on Not Sam Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Jake the Snake Roberts is back. Jake, what's the haps, man? Oh, man. It's running crazy, bro. You know, this time of year, everybody's getting ready for Mania. And then, you know, even people that aren't in the WWE anymore are getting ready for Mania. You know, not only with uh, wrestling, but with everything for me. I mean, I've got several big tours coming up, and uh, I'd like to talk to you about. And just everything's great, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, what's your? How does it affect you? How does how does Mania Week and and the feeling that it's WrestleMania time? How does that start to seep yeah. into your life? Well, you know, you always come out of winter, you know, you're kind of stuck in that doldrums, you know, but the spring comes around the corner, you start waking up and start getting out more and getting around more. Uh, right now, I've been doing a lot of Comic-Cons uh, this time of year, and I enjoy those. You can get a lot of wrestling fans come to Comic-Cons, and uh, it's always great to visit with the fans. And now that I've started doing these tours, doing comedy, you know, I, they say it's comedy. I'm not so sure. <laughs> Basically, all I'm doing is just retelling stories that happened back in the day, you uh -huh. know, and uh, it gives the fans an opportunity to hear what was going on behind the curtain and uh, some of the ridiculous pranks we played on each other and the, the moments that we had. And, uh, you know, whether it be in the locker room or in the ring or in a strip joint afterwards, you know, there, there's some pretty good stories. They're all R, they are R-rated and better <laughs> uh, although i have checked the um limitations statute limitations on most of the stories to make sure that i'm clear there you know some of them are pretty wrangly and uh, yeah that's i enjoy telling those the most i don't know why that's when you know you've you got know, a good just, show that's when you know you've got a good show and before you perform it you have to check with your lawyer to make sure that it's okay that exactly. you tell these stories yeah <laughs> you know that you're going to have people on point you know and uh it's a lot of fun, you know. I don't, I don't hurt anybody with it. You know, some of the stuff is, uh, you know, it just shows you how insane we were back in those days. Not only were we running, you know, thirty, forty, fifty days straight. Sometimes that, uh, you know, boys will be boys, and uh, in those days, uh, you know, we were we were running hard, man, and uh, we played hard. And uh, I, I talk about all that. We have a great time doing it. Uh, I'll be doing a big show in um, Mania Week at Starland Ballroom in Sayreville, New Jersey. Oh, wow, that's a great venue. And, uh, yeah, it's right there, man. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, then, then, of course, I'll be at WrestleCon for a couple of days, and uh, then Mania, 
And then right after that, I head out to El Paso to do a Comic-Con. And uh, then on the 16th, I start a tour that starts in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And then we go to Dubuque and Cedar Rapids and Burlington and Keokuk and Peoria, of all places, and Champaign, St. Louis, and Kansas City in 10 days. So it's moving pretty hard, man, and uh, it doesn't stop there. We just keep right on going, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I just heard... You know, I've been friends with the guys who do Skank Fest for a long time here mm-hmm. in New York, Luis J. Gomez yeah. and the Legion of Skanks guys. And uh, yeah. and they hit me up and they let me know that that's going down in New York City June 21st to 23rd. But right. you're doing Skank Fest, which is this giant comedy yeah. festival that they do here. And I think it's been so cool to watch in the last, I don't know, I would say year, maybe even less than a year, to watch... Whatever it is that you're doing on stage, for whatever reason, your stories, maybe it's just because they're so honest, your stories seem to have gone beyond just wrestling fans. And I think it kind oh, of, yeah. like, the Joe Rogan show, I'm sure, was a huge leap for that. Because I'm watching this guy, Joe Rogan, who for years yeah. has said how stupid wrestling is, have you on, and you've got him wrapped around your finger with these stories. And I think that that yeah, leads to pretty, things like Skankfest and it everything. It was pretty awesome, man. And- you know, just to be a part of anything is great, but yeah, Skank Fest, man, I love the name. <laughs> I figured you <laughs> would. <laughs> it just fits everything that I do. You know, it's uh, Skanks. Okay. <laughs> I know you got to know her. So, but, yeah, I'm really excited to do that. I'm going to do two shows up there, man. One on Saturday, one on Sunday. Wow. So that's, that's going to be awesome, man. Well, if you're yeah, in New York. All sorts of crazy stuff. I'm even going on the next Jericho thing, man. Uh, the Rock and Wrestling Rage at Sea Part Two. I just you saw know, that. The second wave is coming, man. <laughs> yeah, January 20th through the 24th, man. We go from Miami to Nassau. I'm a little worried about that. You know, I'm afraid that ship may go down. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually—that's what I was just thinking <laughs> as you were saying it. I don't know, Jake <laughs> Roberts. Locked on a boat with a bunch of other wrestlers and wrestling fans yeah. for like a week. Yeah. Probably not the greatest surroundings for anybody's safety. It's not bright. It's not <laughs> bright. And, you know, that's what they get for not having me on the first one. I ain't <laughs> yeah. got to make them pay. You're going to make them pay for but, it this uh, time. You're damn right, man. It's going to be a heavy price, man. <laughs> Bermuda Triangle is nothing compared to what Jake does to a tour. So, uh, yeah. It's been rumored before, but the living proof, be there. Don't miss that, because it's going to be something else. I'm really looking forward to that, too, you know. I mean, to get paid for being seasick, what the hell? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. going to be so awesome. You're going to earn you know, it, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to earn it, man. They're yeah. going to earn cleaning up after me. <laughs> I'll be spewing. I ain't bullshit, man. I get seasick at the drop of a hat. And I have a hard time in a bathtub. Oh, boy. I get seasick there. What the hell, you know? <laughs> but it's going to be good times. That's what I'm saying. There's just been so much come up. Yeah. You know, the Joe Rogan podcast was very big for me, man. Because we I'm sure. did. We crossed some lines there. People that uh, weren't wrestling fans, all of a sudden they're... Hey man, I caught you on Joe Rogan. You know, I didn't even know what you did. I'm like, well, wow, now you do. You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's fun. Was it's there anything fun, specific? Any of the stories? Because I mean, you told so many stories on on the mm-hmm. Rogan podcast. Was there anything specific that you were surprised resonated with Joe 
that you go like, this is just my life. I had no idea you would take this kind of interest. In yeah, me. Andre farting on me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, really, Joe? That's what got you going? Wow. <laughs> you need to raise the bar a little bit, bro. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the Macho Man thing would have got him, but the Andre farting thing, he loved that. You know, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Now, I, now I know what to go for. You That's know? when, like, you, you prepare all these amazing stories and you realize, you know what? Yeah. Maybe I just need to Maybe I just need to go for the basics here. Yeah, just reel it back down, man, and talk <laughs> about somebody farting on you. That, that does it, you know? Well, I mean... Oh my God, you should, talk, you should talk to my ex-wife. Boy, she can say I farted uh, shit on her. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what... I was literally just talking about the Andre documentary with somebody a couple of days ago yeah. who wasn't a wrestling fan yeah. and the thing that stuck with them as like uh, this is an amazing I thought that the Andre doc was one of the great wrestling docs that they've made mm -hmm. and what stuck mm -hmm. with them was the segment that they did on Andre's atomic farts and Mean Gene talking about yeah. how bad Andre's farts were it was like it was necessary yeah. to include well people don't get you know the fact that he was so big that yeah, of course his farts are going to last longer than normal people, you know. And uh, anytime you have that much air up there fermenting for you know <laughs> days at a time, you know, with no no, no telling how many bottles of wine and vodka that was in that mixture, there's going to be some fermentation happening, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be nasty when it comes out. In fact, when he sat on me and did that, I thought I had a like a a birthmark on my shoulder for about a week, you know, but it was actually just a wine stain from his ass. So, there you go. How how was uh how was Andre with you? There are all these stories about how Andre didn't like working with uh, the Macho Man because of the baby oil, and yeah. he didn't like Big John Studd because yeah. he didn't like big guys. Uh, how was Andre working with you, especially since you ended up uh, getting the DQ victory, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Well, um, you know, the first time we went out, he guzzled my ass, man. I mean, just just throttled me. Mm -hmm. Did not give me anything. And um, I came back to the locker room, and probably the dumbest thing that I ever done in my life, which is go into his locker room and confront him. Wow. But I did it. I called him out, man. I said, that was the worst stinking match I've ever had in my life. And if you think that's going to draw money, you're a stupid fucking, excuse me, stupid giant. Wow. And he just looked at me. And then I realized what I've been saying. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm looking for help. And the agents, they're running out of the room. They're leaving <laughs> me in there with him. They didn't want to be around there because they figured Andre was going to kill me. Uh -huh. But he just looked at me and he goes, Okay, boss, no problem. And then, of course, I got to realize I've got to work with him again. Oh my God! Yeah. But uh, after that, he was perfect. Really? So, so are you worried? Occasional. Once you stood up to him and called him, and said, "You know, I'm just here to do business, man." You know, then he was good, and uh, and he wanted me to hit him as hard as I could. I used to tell people that's the most frustrating thing in the world when you're trying to kill somebody and they don't even know it. <laughs> you know, I'd, be, I'd be throwing my best shots at him, man, and you know he just, uh, uh, you know, that was it. You know, meanwhile I'm jamming my wrists, my elbows, and I'm tearing my shoulders up. And, you know, I tore a peck in half when I was wrestling him, and um, nearly fainted before I hit the mat because it was such pain. And, was and uh, lo and behold, he reached down and grabbed me by my arm and jerked me to my feet, and oh. God Almighty, I passed out oh. from the pain. 
How did you tear the pack? Long, Jimmy. Well, he held on to me until I came back too, and told me, "Hey, no problem, we'll be okay." And he held me, and uh, we wrestled, and uh, I never took a day off. Wow! Know, I just kept going, man. Well, back in those days, you didn't take days off. You got hurt, man. You just kept going. So he's but, carrying uh, yeah, you through it, pack completely in half. And now, and so now, since you're working with Andre every night, mm-hmm. he's carrying yeah. you through a torn pack every single match. Yeah, yeah, every night, man. But he was wonderful, man. Every now and then he'd do something ornery to me. Like he used to love to knock me on my ass, and and then he'd stand on my hair, and he'd reach down and grab my arms and pull, <laughs> which ripped my hair out. Yeah, you know? but that was funny, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. I tell people, yeah, I started to get up and just paintbrush him, but I said, I decided not to. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. You know, but, uh, you know, every now and then he'd have a little fun with me, but. Uh, when it came time to do business, man, he was doing business with me, and it's one of the greatest pleasures I've ever had. It was, it, you know, it's that dream that you had that you say, well, that'll never happen. Yeah. You know, wrestling Andre the Giant, really? One-on-one? Are you serious? You know, I tell fans during the during the comedy show, I said, you know, wrestling fans are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> They're like, wow, that's cold, Jake. What's up with that? Yeah. I'm like, well, look, you guys were cheering me on to fight the Giant. What did I ever do to you? You know, <laughs> y'all taking me send the lion, send the lamb to the lion. My God, did you think for a moment I had a chance? Are you serious? What have y'all been drinking? You know, and I'll make a big joke of that. But uh, no, just to be in the ring with him and for them to ring the bell and say, you know, you guys wrestle. Are you serious? Yeah. But he made it believable. You know, he he found a way to make it believable by having me fight like a maniac. And uh, if I hadn't have fought him like that, it, it would have stunk. But because he made me fight so hard, it made it believable to a point. You know? Yeah, to a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so this the reality came back down. So are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, let's this, face this facts. Facts, you know, I, you know, in my best, I weighed 250. Mm-hmm. He weighed 550. Let me figure that out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ, man. He's, he's had bigger turds come out of his ass than me. What the hell? Yeah, and then he left him on your shoulder. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so, that was pretty brutal that night, man. So when you when you guys, your second match then, right? So you've had the confrontation. You went back there. Yeah. He said, okay, no problem. You don't know yeah. in your head. Yeah. You know, in your head, no, you're probably thinking. I was scared to death. Right. So when do you realize? To death. When do you realize? Wait After a minute. After I got in the ring with him uh-huh. and... and and just what looked at him, you know, I, I felt it, you know, and I could feel that he was going, he was going, you know, handle it right, mm-hmm. and he did, you know. I mean, I, I was also <laughs> in the backstage area at the time that Macho Man and him were about to go to the ring, and Andre goes, "I hate oil," and Randy Savage threw a huge bottle of oil in the trash. <laughs> now, you know, if you know Randy Savage, mm-hmm. you know that he wouldn't throw away a thimble full of oil. <laughs> you know, he, he was that tight. Uh-huh. You know, Randy, Randy had the first nickel he ever made in this business. Man. He still had it. <laughs> you know, he didn't spend money on nothing, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he tossed it in the trash. Like, no problem, brother. <laughs> you know, it's gone. You know, and he's wiping that oil off his body. Yeah. So yeah, Andre you don't do things you know they're going to piss somebody off, especially big giants. Andre was the cure for chronic thriftiness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You'd spend anything you had to keep getting ass with him, man. 
I mean, I seen him toss the Iron Sheik around one night, man, for about 15 minutes. And we seen every suplex there was in the book and some that aren't in the book, you know, <laughs> new ones that have never been done since because <laughs> they were crippling. I mean, toss the poor Iron Sheik around like a, a rag doll, man. And uh, oh. him and John Studd, you know, the, hell, I was I was the third party in that ring with him and John Studd, and I was worried I was going to get killed by a body part flying off one of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jake Roberts killed by John Studd's liver. You know, <laughs> and come out and he coughed up during a match. You know, and it landed on me. So when you're sitting oh, there, God. when you're sitting there as a referee in that in that John Studd Andre match, are you watching oh. what Andre's doing? Going like, oh, this poor man, this poor John oh. Studd. Well, see, I was wrestling him, and John was a referee, uh-huh. and uh, it was just scary, man, because every time Studd got near him, he'd just slash out his stud, man. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, I kept wondering, man, if Studd goes off, man, I've got to get out of the ring somehow. Yeah. You know, and let those two animals go ahead and eat each other, you know? Because <laughs> we've got Tyrannosaurus against the Brontosaurus here. <laughs> here we go. But uh, it, it didn't happen, thank God, because it would have probably been very ugly. But uh, Yeah, I would imagine. You know, that was, John, John brought that on himself, you know? How you so? Know? Uh, well, he called Andre a freak. Oh, my you know, God. And uh, said that he was the only real giant, that Andre was a freak, you know, a circus freak boy. Oh, come on. You don't do that. Jesus Christ. I told you this was a doozy. And we'll continue in a minute with Jake the Snake Roberts. But first, I told you at the beginning of the show, we were talking about WrestleMania season and how coming to New York, it means everything. There is so much going on over WrestleMania weekend that if you're making the trip out east, you're going to want to see as much as humanly possible. And I know sometimes you go, well, you know, I got tickets to WrestleMania, so I'm going to come to New York and... You know, we'll probably sightsee for a while, and then on Sunday we'll go to the show. You don't have to worry about that. I know that it is complicated to get tickets to every event that you want to go see. I get it. I've been there before. But I'm about to make life easy for you. What if I told you you could easily get tickets to just about everything that you wanted to see in New York WrestleMania weekend? That includes all the wrestling shows. If you want to take a break from wrestling, you want to go see a comedy show like Jake Roberts is talking about. You want to go see a Broadway show. You want to come back at a different time of year? You want to go to a baseball game, football game? You want to check out a basketball game if James Dolan will let you in the building? Whatever you want to do, we can get you tickets, and we can get them easy, and we can get them through SeatGeek. Yes, SeatGeek goes through all the sites. They pull millions of tickets into one place, so you can easily find the seat you want for a price you're willing to pay. Every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything. Sports, concerts, comedy, theater. I tried to tell you. It's so easy. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. If I just want to see what events are playing near me, I just let it search by my location. If I know something's coming up, I can search by anything. Anything I want. If it's a band, if it's a sporting organization, whatever I want. Look it up. It'll tell you all the events. You click the event. It shows you a seating chart. It ranks the tickets that are available on the seating chart in different colors so you can tell uh, what, what value you're getting. If this is a super expensive ticket or if they found a great deal, they can hook you up. However you are looking to get your tickets, SeatGeek has you covered. Best of all, my listeners are getting $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Yes, $10 off. 
All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today, S-A-M, promo code SAM for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Get it on your phone, get $10 off. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets and back to Jake the Snake. So it wasn't just that Andre, it wasn't just that Andre had problems with other big guys. He had no. problems with guys that no. called him out like that. Right, right, right. right. The talk shit. Right. Know? And, you know, hey, big guys have feelings too, man. You yeah. know, and Andre put up with enough, you know, traveling, you know, from people staring at him, pointing at him, laughing at him, everything, you know. And uh, I was around some of those, man. And I just tell people, just leave the son of a bitch alone, for Christ's sake, <laughs> man. You know? Yeah. God damn, man. Yeah. You know, give it a break, man. Was it, does that rank as your favorite uh, rivalry you had during your WWF run? No, no. It's one of them, but, you know, I, me and Steamboat was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, man. of course. And, uh, me and Savage was a lot of fun. Sure. Once I got Randy cooled down a little bit. But, uh, it was tough to get Randy. Yeah. So it, was, it, was, it was tough to get him on board at first? Yeah, well, well because of what happened with his... Uh, with his in-laws, you know. Um, bottom line is, Randy had promised them years before that Elizabeth would never be involved in the wrestling part of it. You know, uh. and I slapped her and did all that crap to her and all that shit. And, mm -hmm. uh, the grandparents told Randy not to come back to the house. Wow. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, because, uh, you know, Randy, being proud as he was and everything, he, he never smartened them up. That it was a business. Sure. You know, and... Uh, so they thought it was all real. Well, that's all fine and dandy, you know, whenever nothing's happening. But, uh, you know, when money's being made, things do happen. And uh, so whenever I did slap her and all that shit, um, they took that personal and told Randy not to ever come back to their house. They'd shoot his ass. So wow. that's the reason that angle got cut off so soon, man. We were supposed to have gone up to Mania with it. But uh, Randy said, you going to cook this up? And they're like, can you even go home? What the fuck, man? <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. See, like, oh, you've each, never... Each night I had to fight him, man. Oh, my God. You're you're the one guy, probably, out of everybody. I know there's other guys that aren't, but you are probably the greatest example of a guy who's just never been afraid of heat. You've never been afraid no. of being the no. bad guy and of doing the things... No that you know the audience is going to hate. Do you think, do you, do you, yeah. does that come naturally to you? Like, do you just know, like, it, the, it's just common, it's just common sense. Right. Me, really, the things that I do, I mean, you know, a lot of times guys outthink themselves, man. They try to make something so elaborate, the fans can't keep up with it. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, so many different angles to come up with this and be so sneaky. No, no, just go back to simple bullshit, man. Right. People understand that. And it strikes a serious chord in their body when you do, because everybody believes it, mm -hmm. you know, and if everybody in the room believes it, now you got something to work with, right. you know, and uh, I've always been a part of that, man. And, you know, of course, you know, I was in Dallas, Texas, wrestling Sting, and a guy stood up and took out a pistol and started shooting at me, you know, right. and, uh, I got under the ring pretty damn quick. Quick, of course, Sting being a baby face, you know how stupid they are. He's standing in the ring, woo, you know, all that crap. I'm like, you're a stupid motherfucker, man. He's gonna get shot, you know. Now, but, uh, was that you know, incident? That's fun. Was that incident on the lead up to like the spin the wheel, make the deal? Is that that era? Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing yeah. because, like, of all the sort of moments in your career that you would probably just as soon yeah. forget. 
that would be one of the rivalries I would imagine. But yeah. obviously, like you, yeah. But obviously, you were doing so well in the build up to it that somebody was trying yeah. to murder you with a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Dallas, Texas. I thought for a minute it might be family because I was born about sixty miles from there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Does that boggle your mind when you're going like, oh, my God, like we have so much potential here. I've got people so fired yeah. up that there's a guy in Dallas that wants to shoot me and we yeah. still can't execute properly. No, no, just stupid shit, man. So frustrating, bro. And then, of course, you add Bill Watson on it. Bill, he, you know, he wanted to – his idea was to, to knock me off real quick and – to, to say, see how much better um, WCW's talent is than, than WWF. This guy came from WWF, and we squashed him in the first, you know, first angle. That's brilliant, Bill. <laughs> Stupid bastard. You know, that piece of crap, man. I don't even get me started there. I'd go for hours on that prick. Yeah. But, um, you know, it is what it is, man. Do I you... try not to think about him because... Every time I do, I want to take a shit. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. And there's only so much in you. There's only, yeah, there's only so exactly, much. Exactly, man. I'll, yeah. be, I'll be exasperated at the end of this damn interview. I'll weigh about 10 pounds. Yeah, I don't, I don't want you to get dehydrated. I don't want the shit come right out of me, man. Oh, man. I don't want you to get dehydrated. No, no, no. Especially from thinking about him. Yeah, <laughs> so, so we were talking about uh, Macho Man and that storyline yeah. being cut short. Um you know, yeah. I was thinking about it because I was reading a story about, uh, you know, you and Hogan and that angle being cut off before it started because yep. people were chanting yep. your name. You were you were too popular. DDT, DDT. Right. Yeah. right. Thanks a lot, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another time the wrestling fans just failed you completely. Yeah, um, it cost me millions. Thank you very much. So you, so, yeah. so you got the Hogan thing scrapped. You've got the Macho Man mm -hmm. thing that's supposed to go to WrestleMania that gets yeah. scrapped, and Crap. then just today when I was thinking the of Warrior, that's what I was thinking about before we did this interview. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking about my Jake Roberts memories. I'm thinking about yeah. the lead up to SummerSlam '91 and all these Ultimate yeah. Warrior vignettes and the fact that I remember yeah. as a kid. I'm probably I don't know eight, seven, seven years old when that thing mm -hmm. is happening, and I mm -hmm. still at 35. I still remember being seven years old and going, I can't wait for this ultimate wait, warrior to get his hands. Happened. And yeah, and, and so so when you find out the warrior has held up Vince for money at SummerSlam mm -hmm. yeah. and it's gonna and it gets the warrior fired, are you sitting there right. going, Oh, what the hell did you do now? Yeah, I was standing right there, man, by the curtain whenever Warrior came back through, Vince fired him. Oh. You're fired, get the fuck out of my building. Oh, I'm like, what? And he goes, Jake, you have the worst luck. Like, wow. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, they gave yeah, you the... I, I, I got I to say this. You know, there was some serious heat between me and Moyer. Really Real heat. heat. But, um, yeah, kill heat. It, but um, slightly, just two days before he died, he, he came back to me and uh, apologized for that whole mess. And, uh, you know... And I guess, you know, he stood up and he manned up for it, you know, and uh, really apologized. It meant a lot to him for him to, for him to do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was pretty pretty damned upset considering that I had to go to him and ask him to shoot an angle with me oh. to okay it, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah. Vince had me go to him and, and ask permission to shoot an angle with him. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Tell him to fucking work with me, damn it. <laughs> yeah, you're the boss. You know, you're the boss, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's not the way it was done up there, man. Wow. Wow. And yeah. I mean, but it just, I mean, and you know, obviously the warrior was a different guy by the time he passed away, mm-hmm. but going back then, I mean, it boggles the mind that, that somebody could have it that good in an organization like that, where the boss can't even tell them what to do and they oh, still well, find a way like to screw Sean it up. And Brett. You know, Sean and Brett used to pull the same crap. Mm-hmm. I was writing television then, and uh, sometimes we'd get stuck at Vince's house waiting for Vince to get off the phone because he'd have three- and four-hour conversations with Brett and Sean trying to get them to talk to each other and wrestle each other. Are you fucking kidding me? Fire both the little dumb shit. (laughs) You know? I'm serious. I fired them both, man. Get the fuck out, man. Did you say that? Do your damn job, guys. Yeah, I did. Yeah, when Vince comes back to the table, do you go, what are you doing? I can't believe I told you I can't believe you, Vince. I said that the the the, uh, the, uh, uh, the wrestlers the uh, in a nut house you have uh, the patients are running the asylum now. That's great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and what did what he? What the hell's going on? I mean, did Vince he have any? He shook his head. That's it. That's all he did. No explanation. I'm like, wow, wow, really. And are you sitting there you know, going? I've never, been, I've never been a fan of of uh, you know guys pulling crap like that or uh-huh. clicks, if you will. Sure. I don't get into all that bullshit, uh-huh. you know, to manipulate the game by, you know, you pouting and you pouting together. You're going to pout, man. It's a privilege to get in that damn ring. Okay? It's a privilege. Uh, you know, uh, and if you get chosen to get in there, man, get your ass in there and hang on for your life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But don't don't play this game where you're going to milk it, man, and play some game where you're going to hold out and hold this shit. I don't give a shit if you're Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan or whoever, man. Nobody has the right to do that. Yeah, I mean, are are you sitting there going, man, because when you think about it, right, when you think about the late 80s, early 90s, in terms of all the WWE merchandise, there was three faces everywhere. There was Hogan, there was Warrior, and there was Jake Roberts. I mean, that was just, I'm not trying to blow smoke. It's just the way it was. I know, man. Are you sitting there going, you mean to tell me that I could have been calling my own shots all these years? Yeah, no, like... shit. no shit. Well, then I take out on myself, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's bullshit, man, and I still feel that way, and shame on them. You know, uh, it's bullshit, man. It's bad you... business. It's bad for everybody. Have you talked to you those know, here's, guys? Here's, here's these guys that are holding up Vince for a million dollars. Well, hey, what about what about the dumbasses like me that put these guys over? Right. You know, we're not getting a million dollars. Right. You know, the right. fuck, man. Every time you get close, it gets it gets canceled anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you talked anyway, to have bro. you talked to those guys since then? Like, because I know, I mean, you know, no, I don't know Brett, no. but I know that like I not feel about sh- business. I said hello to Brett a couple of times. Yeah. Sean said hello to me, but that's been it, man. I, I have no need to go into all that crap with them. It's not gonna. It's not gonna teach them anything. Right. You know. Uh, hey, at the end of the day, they came out pretty damn good. Yeah, and I mean, you I know, think Sean at least I'm, is a I'm different the one person. Back to your sucking tit, you know. Saying, <laughs> I gotta still go work, you know. Yeah. I'm the stupid ass. <laughs> you know, I, I get that. You know, I get that, man. And uh, yeah, their argument could be, yeah, well, look at me, man. I've got you know ten million in my bank. Mm-hmm. What do you have, Jake? Well. <laughs> I give ten million to my drug dealer trying to get over your bullshit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You got Skankfest. 
Yeah, I do have Skank Fest. So? I'm looking forward to doing it. Yeah. Right, now, listen, bro, I'm gonna have to get off of here pretty quick, man. Yeah, for I've sure. To, uh, I wanted to before I, I have to get down the road. Before I let you go, uh, one yeah. other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was around that same era, right? I wanted to talk to you about uh, Undertaker, your last uh, your yeah. last uh, quick yeah. program uh, before you left for WCW, mm-hmm. and right. you're back to being a bad guy. The Undertaker is now mm-hmm. becoming a good guy. Is it difficult mm-hmm. for you in that scenario? Because I feel like throughout the history of Jake Roberts. You've always mm-hmm. been that kind of dark, methodical, slow-moving mm-hmm. figure, and now you've right. got to share the ring with The Undertaker, who's supposed mm-hmm. to be even darker and even more methodical mm-hmm. and even slow-moving. Do you have to figure out how to adjust your style so that The Undertaker can no. still... No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all, man. You know, go out and do your thing, let him do his, and the fans are going to decide what they want to do with it. I got you. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's where a lot of guys make that mistake. You know, I mean, The worst in the world, God bless him, it was um, Lex Luger. Lex Luger, one week he's a heel, he'd go to the ring walking slow and being snarly and stuff. The next week he's a baby face and he'd run the ring high-fiving everybody. <laughs> you know, dude, you don't change. Let the people change. Yeah. See, that's... That's where guys kill their characters off. You never, ever want to piss on yourself, man. It's a good thing not to piss on yourself. Yeah. You know, and you do that by destroying your credibility. Once you destroy your credibility with the fans, you never, never, ever get it back. Mm-hmm. Bingo. I That's get it. the key to success. Have you thought at all about, and I know you've talked, you, you said you had a, a run doing this before and it didn't work out, but that was a lifetime ago. You're a different person now. You know, WWE has just brought in a whole bunch of people into backstage roles. Have you thought about putting feelers out there to see if there's any interest in in going back to WWE as a backstage producer, creative person, whatever it is? It it just wouldn't work for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a real problem when it comes to speaking my mind, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I call chicken shit chicken shit. I call assholes assholes, and, uh, you know, I I can't do it, man. Uh, you know, my my belief in in wrestling does not fit what they're doing today. You know, I I feel like they go out and destroy credibility. They destroy wrestling, for all that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't like what the product is today. Uh, nobody sells a damn thing. You know, uh, everything's a freaking high spot. The, the most dangerous wrestling hole today is the schoolboy. <laughs> more people than anything else. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you going to tell me I can hit you with a sledgehammer, but I can't beat you with it? Mm-hmm. I got to beat you with a goddamn schoolboy. <laughs> what in the fuck is wrong with this? Yeah. Look so, at what you're doing, guys. Stop it. You're making me sick. You know? Yeah, man. We're pissing on the business. It's been so good to so many people, man. And fans love real good wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you can still go out and grab an arm and work a hold and still have one hell of a damn match. When's the last time you've seen somebody charge the ring? A fan. Well, it doesn't happen anymore. Right. Why? Because nobody believes the bullshit they're doing. You know, give it a break. What the hell, man? Yeah, man. All right. I'm out of here. All right, bud. Well, listen, skankfestnyc.com is the place to go to get tickets to see Jake Roberts at Skankfest and... uh I appreciate you uh, giving me some time, Jake. Yeah, it's always good talking to you. Well, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I just get winded after a little bit, man. My brain starts to scoot around, so 
No worries. You know, something about those concussions, man. I, I started getting kind of flighty. That's a horrible feeling for me, man. I'm being really honest with you here. I appreciate it, man. You I go. Hyperven- I started hyperventilating because I know that I'm fixing my mouth, fixing to get like marbles, and I, I get frustrated. And it's embarrassing. Will you relax, so man? I start feeling that come on, I got to get off. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know when to call it then. Uh, yeah, not that way. If that's what you need to do, Talk go do it. Again, I hope. <laughs> well, let's do it again sometime. I appreciate Take it. Care. Thanks so much, man. Here is Sam Roberts. How great was that, huh? Jake the Snake Roberts. Now, I don't really agree with him, you know, in terms of the wrestling style of today. Obviously, I like the wrestling style of today. I think that you know, and it's tough for people that maybe were around in a different era, but you do have to evolve. And I would have had this conversation with him, but clearly he had to uh, get off the phone. But I think you do have to evolve uh, anything. I think sports evolve, um, but certainly forms of entertainment. Entertainment evolves quicker than anything. And that's because entertainment has to evolve at the same speed of t- people's attention spans. You know, wrestling has always been a reflection of its audience. And I think that that's uh, true. It's true anytime wrestling is successful. When wrestling is successful, it is because it is properly reflecting its audience. And, you know, I think that, that in the world that we live in today, the attention span of that audience is getting shorter and shorter. And that's because there's more entertainment everywhere you look. WWE always talks about how really everything in entertainment is their competition. Um, and I think that that's true for any wrestling organization. Uh, I also think that it gets to a point where, you know, those of us that have been watching wrestling for years and years and years, we've seen everything. And sometimes the the price of innovation is upsetting tradition. And I think that's what's happening. Uh, I do think that Jake the Snake should look past that and maybe focus more on the storyline aspects uh, of, of things and try to contribute creatively there. But maybe he's happier doing what he's doing. Maybe he's happier just going out on the road, being independent, and getting to tell his stories because he's great at that too. So check out Jake the Snake if he's going to be in a town near you at any point. Uh, and big congratulations goes to Booker T, the two-time, two-time Hall of Famer. Uh, it's going to be a big year for the Hall of Fame. Shawn Michaels and Booker T both joining the two-ring club. They're going to be joining alongside Ric Flair as it was announced this week that Harlem Heat is going into the Hall of Fame. Booker T and Stevie Ray, it's it's impossible to argue that Harlem Heat shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. When you go through tag teams of that era, uh, Harlem Heat is the is the top of the heap, you know? And if Harlem Heat hadn't... It's not like Booker T's success as a singles wrestler came out of nowhere. You know, it was it came from Harlem Heat. It, there were very few acts in the, in the early to mid-90s, say 93, 94, in WCW that were successful, that were not coming from WWE. That's just the facts. Acts that that people still talk about to this day, in that era of WCW, if they weren't guys that got famous in WWE, there's really not many acts that you can bring up. And one of those acts is Harlem Heat, man. Harlem Heat was, they were ahead of their time. They were cool. They were, I mean, I remember as a kid, and this is why they stick out to me. I'm watching wrestling, 93, And, you know, I watch WCW Saturdays at 6.05. I turn on WCW Saturday night. I never get the pay-per-views because, you know, I'm a kid. I only got so much money, and I'm paying the pay-per-views. My dad and I split the pay-per-views. But I got all the WWE pay-per-views, but I never got the WCW pay-per-views. So, 
I, you know, I would watch all the Clash of the Champions. I would watch whatever whatever I could from WCW main event uh, Saturday night, WCW Worldwide with the spinning ring, all that stuff. But there was always something, and this is pre NWO. This is pre all that stuff. This is even pre Nitro. And you know, there was always something about it that seemed like second rate. I remember when when even when Macho Man went over. I was like, oh my God, I hope Macho Man doesn't go to WCW. And it was like heartbreaking almost because the Macho Man that I wanted to remember was the WWE's Macho Man. But Harlem Heat, for some reason, resonated with me. Harlem Heat debuted in WCW and I was like, man, that's a cool tag team. I like watching Harlem Heat matches. There were two tag teams actually in WCW that did that for me right around the same era. And I would put both of these tag teams in the Hall of Fame, quite frankly. One was the Harlem Heat, and the other was the Hollywood Blondes. The Hollywood Blondes, that music would come on. And Austin would be sitting there doing the camera motion, you know, spinning it with one hand and holding it up, and Brian Pillman, and they had their matching vests and everything, but they were not corny. They were bad guys. I thought the Hollywood Blondes were so cool, and I thought Harlem Heat was so cool. So I'm really happy that Harlem Heat's going into the Hall of Fame, and I'm really happy that somebody that has contributed as much to wrestling and continues to contribute as much to wrestling as Booker T does is ending up in the two-ring club. You know, I don't think that anybody would have predicted that Booker T would be one of the first three people to get into that club, but when you break it down, it's tough to argue that he shouldn't be in that club. So congratulations to Booker. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it. It's time for the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. It's State of Wrestling time for 229. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Of course, everybody who's watching this live or taped over at Patreon, uh, different tiers for different levels, 15 bucks a month gets you access to watch State of Wrestling live every Wednesday as I record it. Nine bucks gets you access to watch the entire State of Wrestling immediately after it becomes available over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. And of course, we want to shout out uh, a Hall of Famer level Not Sam Shill every week here on Not Sam Wrestling. And this week, it's none other than WWE Front Row. Thank you, buddy. I always appreciate it. Let's get in to what the state of wrestling is all about, and that is the top five stories of the week from the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. The last professional broadcaster is cited on the WWE Network, is cited on uh, Flagrant 2, is cited on Jim Norton and Sam Roberts on Sirius XM. All this week, by the way, it's been a busy, busy week. Let's get into it. Story number five goes back to the WWE Network, what I was doing in Cleveland this week. It's Fastlane. Let's go over what happened at Fastlane for story number five in the state of wrestling. So mixed reviews on the pay-per-view for sure, but I, I, my feedback, my the reviews that I read, the stuff that I saw on uh, in the Twitterverse and on Reddit and you know all over the internet was far more positive than negative, and my takeaway was far more positive than negative. I thought that everything at Fastlane felt like it was going somewhere. It was either paid off or it felt like there is a purpose to what's happening here. A lot of times, especially at this stage in the game where we're close to WrestleMania, but not that close, meaning we have four weeks 
to build, and we had four weeks from the time of Fastlane. Now it's closer to three weeks, but at Fastlane, we've got four weeks to WrestleMania. So technically, you can, you do still have a couple of weeks to kind of figure out exactly what you're doing if you're not sure. But the best case scenario for all of us fans is that we want to believe that the WWE knows exactly what they're doing and that the reason we're going into a pay-per-view like Fastlane is because there's some story to tell that's going to lead us to a place where we're all excited. You know, I was also on Wade Keller's podcast at the end of last week, and we were talking about that and how... Uh, you know, I think all of us kind of have an idea of the direction that WrestleMania is going in, but a lot of questions are yet to be answered, and that's what Fastlane was all about, and I feel like Fastlane did give us a picture of what's going on. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the, the bigger incidents that happened. Of course, it started, I'd say the first big shot of the night was Shane McMahon turning on The Miz. There was no place to go, I don't think, between Shane McMahon and The Miz, but to break them up and to break them up now. You know, I mean, the fact is that to make them seem like a better tag team than The Usos long-term would have been completely foolish. As I've said now, I think multiple times on the kickoff show, and as I've said over and over here on Not Sam Wrestling, The Usos are the, the best tag team of the last decade. So when you've got something like that and you've got them on your roster – the last thing in the world that you want to do is, for short-term benefit, make them look like they're anything but that. And if you watch their performance in the last two matches with Shane and The Miz, if you watch their promo on SmackDown this week, which if you haven't seen it, go search it out. It's all over the internet. You can find it. It's incredible. The Usos are absolutely incredible, and somehow they just keep getting better and better and better and better. Uh, with Shane and The Miz, you know, I, I think that that story being told, it's a, it's a, it's, they, they did a really nice job of starting a story in, what was it, I guess November? Technically, this story starts with uh, the, the Crown Jewel pay-per-view and the WWE World Cup trophy. Technically, that's where this story starts. So you're talking about a story arc that lasts a good five months and that now is going to get paid off at WrestleMania. I mean, when was the last time that you had a story that was told this well, that kept your attention, and that worked on pretty much every level. Think about it. When The Miz and Shane McMahon won the tag titles at the Royal Rumble, people were excited. I mean, as, as, as much as at first maybe you didn't quite understand what was going on between Shane and The Miz, by the time you got to January, people were on board. Everybody was on board, quite frankly. And it was the first time ever in his WWE career, that The Miz is a good guy was actually working. That people were buying into it. That this idea that that we liked seeing Shane McMahon and The Miz as besties. It was fun. It was entertaining. And we believed it. I think that, you know, the idea of, Shane, of, of Miz wanting to uh, please his father. I can believe The Miz, at the age that he's at, is still thinking about things like pleasing his father. You know, my dad texts me stuff. And he goes, hey, man. Great job today. And you know what I say? New number. Who dis? At this point in my life, I've got to be okay with it. It's not always nice to get approval, but you can't be hunting for daddy's approval. And the fact that The Miz is doing that actually portrays him as somebody that's more vulnerable and therefore somebody that should be the one who is kind of taking on the good guy role. But I, don't, I think that most of us, 
even if we thought that the turn was going to happen, and I think a bunch of people did, if you thought about it, most of us probably thought that The Miz would turn on Shane McMahon. You were kind of watching this group come together, this tag team come together, knowing that on some level, The Miz is acting in self-interest. The Miz wants to be partners with the boss's son, knowing he's going to get rematches more easily, knowing he's going to get higher spots on the card more likely, knowing he's going to get championship matches, right? The road to becoming a tag team champion is a lot easier when the boss's kid is your partner than when it's, you know, some random jamoke. So, unless you're Braun Strowman and you can pick a seven-year-old out of the crowd. But... The idea that Shane would turn on The Miz, I think, uh, is not something that we saw coming. I love Shane's new bad guy move of grabbing somebody by the jaw. You know, first he did it to Mr. The Miz, and then he turned around on SmackDown and grabbed grabbed Greg Hamilton. Say that ten times fast. Grabbed Greg Hamilton by his jowls, made him announce him three times, and it really worked. By the time that Greg Hamilton got to the final Shane McMahon announcement, Boo! Boo! And that's what we want. We want people booing the bad guys. Um, you know, the and then we get straight to SmackDown, and we know what's coming, right? As soon as we see Shane McMahon turn on The Miz, we know, okay, we're leading to a Miz-Shane McMahon-WrestleMania match. So instead of dragging that out for two weeks and then finally saying, all right, you want a match, we'll do it at WrestleMania. Like, we knew this was going to happen. We just come right out on SmackDown and say it. Shane goes... I'm a McMahon, by the way. Let's do this match at WrestleMania. And boom, we're off to the races. For the next three weeks on SmackDown, we can build towards a match that we know is coming. And I think it's going to work. It'll be interesting to see what happens after WrestleMania. Personally, I hope The Miz gets the victory. He'll be the good guy. And I think The Miz, uh, you know, after this year, I think we need to be reminded that The Miz is championship caliber in terms of being a singles star. Um But it'll be interesting to see what happens to him after the Shane McMahon story is over. I don't know if The Miz as a good guy is going to be able to function without Shane McMahon as a foil. So I wouldn't be shocked if Miz wins at WrestleMania and then very not not long after goes back to being a, a bad guy, but probably one of the top bad guys on the show, which is good, you know. That's exactly where The Miz should be, quite frankly. So either way, I think it's a it, I think it's a good thing. Uh, we're going to talk about the Kofi stuff later. Um, I, I thought the Kofi stuff was almost a throwback in the sense that it's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you without a hot beat to step to. It's been a long time since uh, it, it felt like the unpredictability. You know, people talk about the Attitude Era a lot. And it wasn't just kind of curses and and, and blood and, and violence and all this stuff. There was also this feeling that as you were watching WWE programming, whether it was Raw, SmackDown, a pay-per-view, that it was this living, breathing thing, and at any moment, chaos could erupt. And we're kind of starting to get back to that with the inclusion of the McMahons as the authority figures, not a specific general manager. The idea that, you know, at the show, we're going, on on the kickoff, we go, okay, Kofi Kingston is going to be involved in this show. Once the show starts, okay, it is going to be a triple threat. Then Kofi gets to the ring, but this isn't the triple threat. The triple threat's happening later. And then we get to the triple threat after Kofi's been beaten by two guys and he's not even in it. I mean, you know, it's 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 old school, unpredictable storytelling to me. And you have to be careful with that because all of a sudden the match that was advertised, which is Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens, is not happening. You're making it a triple threat match, which worked this time because I don't think anybody was disappointed that Mustafa Ali was added to that match. Don't get me wrong. 
but it can work against you in the sense that, like, let's say, let's say they decide WrestleMania is the time we're going to do it, Kofi versus Bryant, and that's going to be the match. Um, you know, if that ends up being a triple threat at the last minute or at WrestleMania, they go, okay, we're adding Kevin Owens into this match. I think that would disappoint people. So, you know, you have to pick and choose your shots, but so far WWE has done that very, very well. Of course, you had your Shield reunion, which, you know, I still say is uh, doesn't make any sense. I mean, and maybe I'm just not a forgiving man, but I don't know. I don't understand the sudden change of heart for Dean Ambrose. It's not like uh, when he turned on Seth, he didn't have Roman in his mind. He did it the same night that Roman announced he was leaving. So still doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but it was good to see Roman back in the ring. Um, and, uh, the big story I think that had a lot of people talking, and this was probably the most controversial moment of the night, was Ronda Rousey interfering in the, uh, Charlotte-Becky match. You know, some people thought it was cheap. First of all, we haven't really talked about the whole Ronda Rousey story that's going on right now, that she's done a full heel turn, she's talking about wrestling being fake, She's uh, cursing on YouTube. She's uh, saying dastardly things all of a sudden. Look, I'm not mad at anything Ronda Rousey's doing. First of all, the idea that she came in and interfered in the match and made it so that Becky won, it made perfect sense to me. In fact, that's it was, it was honestly my desired outcome. In my head, I'm thinking Ronda Rousey is going to want to get her hands on Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. She can ensure that she does. By the way, even before she had this heel turn, if you remember, this whole thing started because Stephanie McMahon was going to make Charlotte versus Becky for the Raw Women's Championship because Ronda Rousey had laid the title down. The reason Ronda Rousey laid the title down was because she was so upset because she wanted her match with Becky Lynch. The fact that she's now turned heel and taken the title back after laying it down, I have not been led to believe because she's a, a, a badass bad guy, not a chicken bad guy. Nothing has led me to believe that Ronda Rousey would no longer want to wrestle Becky Lynch. She said she wanted to fight her. I, w I would imagine now she wants to fight her more than ever. So the idea that she would come out and ensure that she gets to fight Becky Lynch, uh, I think that's even better. I also think that, you know, you don't want to give Becky Lynch a clean victory right now over Charlotte. You know, if you give Becky Lynch a clean victory over Charlotte right now, then what you're saying is Becky Lynch has the ability to beat Charlotte. Let's concentrate on Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch. And I think that the whole reason, because a lot of people say that this story with Ronda and Becky did not need all of this set decoration, did not need Ronda Rousey losing her mind on the fans, did not need, it just becomes so convoluted, did not need Becky's leg injury and suspension and arrest and blah, 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 blah. And you're right. The story between Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch did not need all this stuff. But if you decide you want to incorporate Charlotte into this match, you go, you know what? I want this match to be a triple threat. I want Charlotte involved. Point blank. Now, I've got to figure out how Charlotte fits into this story. And I think a lot of the complications that have arisen from the story have more to do with getting... Charlotte involved in the thing. You know, because before this, it was just Ronda Becky, Ronda Becky, Ronda Becky. Well, how do we get Charlotte in there where 
Becky and Charlotte and Becky and Rhonda and Rhonda and Becky and and Charlotte and Rhonda and you know everybody it just has all this animosity brewing between all three and I think you uh, have found a way I don't think this is the only way to do it but I think in 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 the grand scheme of things WWE has found a way to involve all three women and make it about all three of them and not just the Rhonda Becky story with Charlotte getting involved because that's the last thing they want to portray. The last thing they want is what we were all afraid of, which is just throwing Charlotte in for the sake of throwing Charlotte in. Now, because Rhonda is getting so involved in business between Becky and Charlotte and the story between Becky and Charlotte is so well told, there is a reason for being that Charlotte's there. So I think that that's what a lot of this has to do with. Now, this idea that uh, Becky Lynch is uh, undervaluing the 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 entire industry of professional wrestling by talking about things being fake and and this is a joke and I'm going to mop the floor with these girls and blah 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 blah. If Becky Lynch walks out of WrestleMania, the Raw Women's Champion, nothing that Ronda Rousey has said on YouTube will take that moment away. First of all, nothing Ronda Rousey said on YouTube is stuff that we don't know already. This idea, well, I don't want it to be rubbed in my face. You're sitting there, and this is what I, I don't understand. That, that and, and maybe I shouldn't even be drawing attention to it. But we sit there, and we can clearly identify as wrestling fans that Ronda Rousey is the quote-unquote heel. Ronda Rousey is the bad guy in this match. Charlotte is also a bad guy, but Ronda Rousey went from being a good guy to being a bad guy. You are now going on the internet and typing all day, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or on your blog or your Reddit post or whatever it is, about how much... You don't like what Ronda Rousey is doing. I hate that Ronda Rousey did that YouTube video. It, 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 it's angering you. You're so upset about it. And you sit there and go, this is a horrible thing. She's ruining everything. And it's going to bring you to the point where you're going to go to WrestleMania or you're going to watch WrestleMania at home and Ronda Rousey is going to come out and you're going to say, boo, boo. And then Becky's going to come out and you're going to say, yay, yay. And we're acting like something catastrophically wrong is happening. It's not. This is storytelling in 2019. This is storytelling to uh, an educated fan base. We're getting to the point now where the fan base of professional wrestling is educated. So we could either live in this meta world where wrestling fans are kind of operating under this notion that they are a part of the show and should be treated as such. Or we're doing what WWE is doing with people like Ronda Rousey and actually making you feel things for the characters. If you just told this story in a traditional way, you would be booing Becky Lynch, I'm sorry, booing Ronda Rousey and cheering Becky Lynch, but you'd be doing that because you felt like, yeah, this is my job as a wrestling fan. Being a wrestling fan is not a job. Being a wrestling fan is supposed to hit you emotionally. And WWE has figured out a way where while people were, the people who are already booing Ronda Rousey, how about Ronda gives you a reason to boo her? And let's not make it some wrestling reason. Let's make it a Ronda Rousey reason. 
Ronda Rousey is not coming in as a character. Ronda Rousey is coming in as an MMA legend. The baddest woman on the planet. The woman that, that, that opened the doors of female mixed martial arts fighting, legitimate shoot fighting for women to the world. Before Ronda Rousey, Dana White said, there will never be female fighters in the UFC. Ronda Rousey came along and main evented a UFC, multiple UFC pay-per-views. And we now watch UFC and there are women on a regular basis, not only fighting, but main eventing those pay-per-views. And Ronda Rousey is the person that opened that door. She can beat up the women of the WWE. We know this. That's why she's there. We know that Ronda Rousey can beat up the WWE women. And WrestleMania is a show that attracts mainstream fans, not just hardcore wrestling fans. We, we freely admit from the beginning the Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania is important because it's going to attract non-wrestling fans. Ronda Rousey is a household name. And the person or people that are in the Ronda Rousey match with her are going to be made into bigger stars for it. However, if you're not a giant wrestling fan and you're just watching to see what Ronda Rousey is doing right now and you watch this show and it's portrayed as Ronda Rousey is a professional wrestler who's got an equal shot at any as any other professional wrestler does, you're going to sit there and go like, oh, this is like soap opera. Oh, this is like play pretend, I guess. As opposed to watching a video package that is Ronda Rousey saying, we all know I can beat up both of you with one hand tied behind my back. You're going to get badly hurt. And watching Ronda Rousey kick Becky Lynch's ass and kick Charlotte's ass. If that's the story that's being told, people that knew Ronda and her history before pro wrestling are going like, yeah, that's what I thought would happen. Because Ronda Rousey's a legit badass. Now we get in the ring and we figure out how to tell a story where if somebody can beat Ronda Rousey, all of a sudden, it means much more. If Becky Lynch pins Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania or makes her tap, I don't think she will, but I mean, who knows? The disarmor is her finisher. If Becky Lynch defeats Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania, it will mean more, not less, because of Ronda Rousey's buildup to this match, in my personal opinion. Let's move on, and, 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 and yeah, and that goes back to Fastlane, which was story number five, and the fact that Ronda wanting to ensure that Becky Lynch is in that match makes perfect, perfect narrative sense to me. Let's go to story number four, and that's what we've learned is going down at WrestleMania. Of course, we talked about Miz versus Shane a little bit. The other two matches, Alexa Bliss hosting, which is uh, interesting, and, you know, I hope that Alexa Bliss's health is okay. Like, I do hope that at some point she can get back in the ring on a regular basis, but luckily, she's so entertaining. Like, she's just so good on a microphone that I don't think she'll ever have a problem finding a place in WWE and finding a reason for being, because people just want to see Alexa Bliss. But we've got uh, what appears to be AJ Styles versus Randy Orton, which SmackDown completely sold me on. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. You've got Randy Orton, the tried-and-true WWE veteran at this point, kind of downplaying the uh, independence and the road that AJ Styles had to take to get here. AJ Styles acknowledging, like, yeah, you're right, I took a different road. You couldn't have survived on my road. I'm making it in WWE. You couldn't have made it on the indies. Randy Orton's talking about Dixie Carter. AJ Styles is talking about diamond cutters. It's amazing. It's amazing. And again, 
It's what we were talking about before. It feels like real life. They're saying the things that we as wrestling fans are thinking. They are The WWE is catering to an educated fan base. And I think that it's awesome. I think that it's what is going to uh, attract us to stuff like this. You know, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton on paper, you go, oh, okay. But AJ Styles and Randy Orton on microphones convinced me on SmackDown that I wanted to see this match, you know? And I think it should be addressed. I talked about it a little bit on the kickoff show, but, you know, the idea that AJ Styles in April, you know, March and April of 2019 is not the AJ Styles of even six months ago. I mean, let's be honest. AJ Styles at this point is not, was not even talked about for the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania this year. So, you know, clearly he is not the performer that he was six months ago. He may he may find his way back there, but right now he isn't, and I hope that Randy Orton kind of brings that up. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that it's going to be good, and... It looks like, it would appear, based on Raw, that we're going to get Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. The big rumor, which again, these rumors are so stupid. You know, one guy sends out a tweet. I think this is going to happen. And like five quote-unquote news sites are going like, oh, reports are based on this one guy's Twitter. The guy didn't even work for WWE. What are you What are you reporting on? Um, it looks like it's going to be Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, not the rumored Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns. And I think that that's, that's the move. You know, I think that, that doing Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, um, it it puts Drew on a pedestal. I think that already you created a Drew McIntyre on Raw that makes you feel like, okay, this is a serious competitor for Roman Reigns. I think that Drew McIntyre, <coughs> excuse me, I think that having Roman Reigns beat Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania It'll feel like, number one, Roman Reigns has accomplished something. And number two, I think Drew McIntyre will be even better for it coming off of that show, whether he wins or loses. Um, But I think it's really cool that we're looking at AJ Styles versus Randy Orton, Miz versus Shane McMahon, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. I love good singles matches. And right there, you've got three, three, with no title on the line that are just about settling a grudge. I love a WrestleMania match that's a singles match with no title on the line, and the only reason it's happening is because we've built up this story where we want to see these two guys settle their beef. I think if you look down that WrestleMania card right now, on paper, it's pretty incredible. You've got, uh, you've got as I just said, AJ versus Randy, hypothetically, AJ versus Randy, Miz versus Shane, Drew versus Roman, Brock versus Seth, Ronda versus Becky versus Charlotte. You've got the story that we'll talk about in a moment with Kurt Angle. You've got a story that we'll talk about in a moment, Triple H and Batista. And you've got your WWE Championship matches. That's eight huge attractions that we're already kind of assured are going to happen. And we still don't know, you know, what Bobby Lashley is the new Intercontinental Champion. What does he do? Who's going to be Asuka's opponent? What are the Usos going to do? What's the Revival going to do? we got a whole bunch of titles that are up in the air. You know, we're, we're figuring out, are we going to get Cedric Alexander or Tony Nese getting that Cruiserweight title shot? I'm assuming it'll be on the kickoff show. No no disrespect to the Cruiserweights, but I'm assuming it'll be on the kickoff show, and it'll be one of the matches that people uh, talk about that makes the kickoff show worth watching. You know, an appearance by the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, in a Cruiserweight championship match, I would say 
that sounds like a kickoff show you can't miss. Um, and, of course, what's going to happen with guys like uh, what happens with the U.S. champion Samoa Joe? What about uh, Mustafa Ali, huh? You know, I, I we had Mustafa Ali on the watch-along. Pat McAfee and me, and I think R-Truth was in the room at the time. And Mustafa Ali was already talking about things that he had planned for his WrestleMania entrance. What happens with Mustafa Ali at WrestleMania? He's had a hell of a second half of this year. What happens? Remains to be seen. It's going to be a lot of fun to find out, though. WrestleMania is really building up into something awesome. Speaking of WrestleMania, that goes to story number three, and that's the announcement on Raw. So, uh, you know, I had a phone call, and I usually don't name drop, from Kevin Undergaro, who hosts The Tomorrow Show over on the Not Sam Network at youtube.com slash not Sam. He is the one of the founders and creators of AfterBuzz TV. He uh, got married to Maria Menunos a couple of New Year's ago, and he's a huge wrestling fan. I'm sure that Maria will be doing something at WrestleMania, and Kevin will be by her side as always. Uh, but he called me and he said the, a few weeks ago, hey man, I, I turned on Raw. Why do you suppose Jinder Mahal lost to Kurt Angle? I kind of thought that that was going to be Jinder's spot to shine. And I said, well, I think that, that they're trying to uh, spend some time rebuilding Kurt Angle so that he can go into WrestleMania with something. And that's clearly what was going on. We've got Kurt Angle's final match happening at WrestleMania this year. Um, he announced it. He, he was in Pittsburgh. He said, tonight will be my last match in Pittsburgh, and then WrestleMania will be my farewell match. It's kind of a shame in a way that Kurt Angle's already gone into the Hall of Fame because it would be cool to give him the whole weekend. But if we're going to hype this up as being the farewell match for Kurt Angle, you know, I think it's got to be something special. You could do, you know, of those names that we mentioned, you could do a Samoa Joe match with Kurt Angle, but I don't, I don't, I think that that would be a little bit complicated in the sense that, you know, Samoa Joe is on SmackDown, Kurt Angle's on Raw, the U.S. Championship. It's possible. Samoa Joe could pull it off, but I don't know. Um, of course, Baron Corbin is always a possibility, but we've kind of seen it at this point, you know? And we want to have something that'll be a marquee. You've got to believe that Kurt Angle is the type that if he knows this is his farewell match, is going to leave everything. Everything is going to be left in the ring. I mean, every ounce and fiber of his being is going to be left there. So, is this the moment that you bring John Cena in? We haven't, we've, we've you know, heard the rumblings that there's going to be a John Cena match at WrestleMania. Is John Cena versus Kurt Angle Kurt Angle's last match? Of course, it was John Cena's first main roster match. And he almost beat Kurt Angle. Does John Cena come back? Now, here's the, maybe, but this poses the question. You know, John Cena's role in the WWE for the last, I don't know, I, I feel like it's over a year at this point, has been losing. He loses to people. You know, he's lost his mojo, whether it's The Undertaker, whether it's Roman Reigns, whether it's uh, getting eliminated quickly at Survivor Series. John Cena comes in and he loses. Does John Cena losing, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I want to see Kurt Angle lose his last match just because I think it would be poetic. I want to see him wrestle his heart out and then lose. You know, I think that that would be a better story and then stand up with his head held high, standing ovation, you know, he gets that celebration. So, I mean, you know, in my head, like, I go, okay, Kurt Angle won against John Cena in John Cena's first main roster match. 
I would like it if in Kurt Angle's last match in WWE, John Cena gets that victory back and John Cena wins. But John Cena beats Kurt Angle and then what? He goes on to do another movie? It'd be kind of nice if it was a current roster WWE superstar that was having that moment. You know, I honestly think that a great person to be in that position to have Kurt Angle's last match might be Mustafa Ali. You know, because I think that the moment, what I want to see in Kurt Angle's last match is Kurt Angle lose, and then the person that beats him raise Kurt Angle's hand in the air, points to him, walks out of the ring, and gives Kurt his moment. If Kurt's wrestling a bad guy, that doesn't really work. I like the idea of Mustafa Ali, this kid coming in, getting a high-profile match at WrestleMania. He deserves it. Beating Kurt Angle, getting that big spotlight, and then giving Kurt Angle that one last moment, maybe one last milk bath in the middle of the ring at MetLife Stadium. That would be my pick. It's not my prediction. It's my pick. I think that that I would like to see Mustafa Ali and Kurt Angle in Kurt's last match. People said The Undertaker. People said John Cena. I, I want it to be somebody on the main roster. Now, it won't be somebody on the main roster who gets the Triple H match because Batista comes out and uh, does that promo with Triple H. That's story number two. Um, I think that Batista is doing a, a good job of turning the audience. It's, it's interesting to me that they've decided that the story that's being told is that Batista is a bad guy and Triple H is a good guy. Personally, I don't know. I haven't talked to Triple H or Batista about it believe it or not. But I think that uh, that this storyline is probably mainly, a lot of it probably has to do with Batista. You know, Batista was very critical of the WWE after his last run. And he said many times he doesn't want to go back and just be told what to do. So I believe that, that Batista came in and wanted to wanted to be this guy. And, you know, Batista slobbering all over the microphone on Raw and saying, give me what I want, give me what I want, give me what I want. You know, maybe not executed to perfection, but I would still give it a solid B+. No uh, irony intended there. Um, But regardless, like, I'm super interested in the match. Like, it's one of the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. And it's it's a really well-told story. I mean, think about it. It starts with SmackDown 1000. After Batista said what he said to Triple H at SmackDown 1000, we all wanted it. We weren't sure it was going to happen. I think we were all pretty surprised when Batista did what he did to Ric Flair. In this, not in the sense that, oh my God, it's terrible. But in the sense that we didn't think that that, we all heard that Batista was at Raw, but we didn't think that that's how Batista was going to show himself. And then he's on Raw this week. I, I would imagine that he'll be on Raw at least one or two more times before WrestleMania to really sell us on this match. Because I think this is a match that after one or two more segments, we will be begging for. We will we will be begging for it. And I think it's going to be good. I like the uh, addition of a, a, a no-holds-barred. Batista saying this is his last match. He did say that in the promo. One more match where I end my career by ending your career. I love that sentiment. Um, and Batista's the man, so uh, I'm excited about it. Story number one is Kofi Kingston, man. Let's really sit back and and just realize how well this Kofi Kingston thing has worked. When you sit there, and this is WWE in 2019, you say what you want about WWE, but when they decided to shake things up, things have been shaken up. Things are changing in WWE. 
On SmackDown, you had a character in Becky Lynch that got so hot so quickly and so unexpectedly that random segments were being interrupted by We Want Becky chants. What about the TLC pay-per-view? In the middle of Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose, We Want Becky chants are being heard. That is a force that sometimes you create something that's so great it's at the expense of the rest of the roster. It's very rare that you do that twice simultaneously. And when I turned on SmackDown and Shane McMahon is in the ring talking about The Miz in an angle that people care about, right? This wasn't a rejection of the Shane McMahon promo because people care about the Shane McMahon-Miz story and people still care about Becky just as much. But all of a uh, sudden they're chanting, we want Kofi. And you're like, oh my God. In, in In two months, you have brought Kofi up to the level that Becky Lynch just got up to. Kofi and Becky are two of the biggest good guys at the, of the moment right now in wrestling and in WWE. And it's, it's, it's outstanding what's going on. Obviously, everything that happened at Fastlane worked like a charm. And this idea that, uh, 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 that Kofi's got to move heaven and earth to get this title shot, I, I think it's going to work. It really feels like as I was watching Fastlane, I was getting a little concerned that they were going to turn Kofi's title shot into a fatal four-way, which they still might because we don't have a clear path to WrestleMania for Kevin Owens or Mustafa Ali unless you put Mustafa with Kurt Angle, like I said. But I really, really, really hope that Kofi's match with Daniel Bryan is a one-on-one championship match. I love... I, when I saw that next week on SmackDown, Kofi can get the WrestleMania title shot by winning a gauntlet match against uh, Sheamus and Cesaro and Eric Rowan and Samoa Joe and Randy Orton. I'm like, this is literally WWE 2K19 booking in, in a good way. This is These are the matches that you set up with your figures when you're like, you want to turn somebody into a superhero. This is total fantasy crazy booking and they're doing it for Kofi Kingston and it's going to work like a charm. I can't wait for next week's SmackDown and I can't wait to watch Kofi shine in another gauntlet match. I think it's going to be terrific. I think it's going to be really, really great. That's all the time we got this week. It's a very, very busy, very, very busy week uh, here on Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, we'll be back next week. We thank all of our uh, supporters on Patreon, patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling if you want to be one of them. And uh, we'll be right here again next week with more Not Sam Wrestling. We'll see you then. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.